give yourself the benefit of doubt that you can go out there and you can do something and you may fail, but you can get back up and get back out there. Hi, I'm Emily Bonnie, the CEO of the Investment Banking Institute, and you are listening to the Hurdle Rate Podcast. The Hurdle Rate Podcast is an opportunity to engage in important and enlightening conversations with women in finance and business. The podcast aims to elevate and empower women in this space, bringing voice to the stories behind their successes. To kick off this episode, I'm reminded of the Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken, and the choice to take the road less travel when two roads diverged in a wood. And perhaps that road isn't a straight path to one location, but a series of other bends and curves that lead to multiple places. I am joined by Karina Ramirez Cahan to talk about what it's like to build a career path, stepping stone by stepping stone, and until recently, oftentimes as the only woman in the room. Karina is the co-founder of the Cobalt Rose Company, the visionary behind the most groundbreaking bra innovation in more than a century. Her journey has been one of unexpected twists and turns. After studying Japanese history at Cornell University, with the initial goal of pursuing international trade relations, she found herself drawn to entrepreneurship when she helped a friend secure venture capital for a renewable energy company. The company's proprietary technology transformed cooking oil into biofuel, which sparked a passion for innovation in solving everyday problems. This eventually led Karina to launch a bra company that addresses the age-old dilemma of wireless versus underwire, using patented technology invented by her husband, a breast surgeon. Along the way, she faced challenges and rites of passage that come with being an entrepreneur and bringing something truly new to the market. She's learned that it's not just about luck, it's the mindset and preparation that we bring to the table that can make all the difference in overcoming obstacles. She credits her deep curiosity for innovation and desire to create meaningful solutions at the heart of her entrepreneurial journey. Karina, welcome to The Hurdle Rate. Thank you, Emily. And I love that poem. It's such a wonderful poem by Robert Frost. I didn't realize how appropriate it could be <laughs> for our discussion. Well, Karina, you certainly took at least one road less traveled, if not multiple. And again, you know, one choice may lead to multiple opportunities for other choices. So instead of starting at the divergence in the woods, let's start with what you're doing today. Tell me about your company, the Cobalt Rose Company, and how it came to be. Well, I uh, I started this company a few years ago when I had left my previous business. I had exited. Um, I was doing other things in the entrepreneurial space. Mainly, uh, I was involved with a, an organization in Connecticut, the Connecticut Women's Business Development Council, and uh, on the board of directors. And I got to meet a lot of entrepreneurs. And I I, I was looking for my next idea, and you know something that I thought could be worthwhile. To to, to devote a lot of time and energy into because as an entrepreneur, it can consume your life and you better have a passion for it. Um, and so I was looking to see what would ignite that within me. And one day my husband came home and he is a, a breast surgeon, not a plastic surgeon. He's a breast cancer surgeon. 
uh, but he treats a lot of patients who have all types of breast issues. And many, many of his patients complain about the underwire. And I know I do as a consumer of bras, um, and I wear both wireless and underwire, and they each have their issues. But I don't really think about it. You know, most of us put up with you know, the bra and, and it's just, it's just a function of our lives to, to get a bra, put it on and, and then you go on about your business. But a lot of women complain about that underwire. And my husband decided that there had to be a better way to support the breast. And with his engineering and physics background and his knowledge of the, the breast and the anatomy, he came up with an alternative support system for, for the breast. So, I, he, he kind of hammered out uh, a prototype for me and he said, what could you do with this? And that's when I thought, now this is interesting. Here is an overlooked problem. We women struggle with it all the time, but I'm not seeing any solutions or innovation in the marketplace. Uh, how can I bring this? How do I develop it and then get it made? And other than being a consumer of bras, I don't come from the industry. I don't have connections. I don't have experience. Um, and, and it was really trying to educate myself from the get-go of how do I enter the apparel industry and how do I get a bra made? Where? And all of that. And fortunately, I live north of Manhattan and Manhattan has so much going on, including the great Fashion Institute of Technology uh, is there. And I was able to take classes there on the apparel industry, lingerie, bra design. I was able to meet people in the field join uh, an, a lingerie apparel trade group uh, where I could meet other more people in the industry and, and network my way into finding someone who could help me make my garment. And, and it took a lot of time, a lot of effort, uh, a lot of follow-up. Um, and, and that's what it takes as an entrepreneur is, is, especially in the early stages, you have got, it's all on you. But I, I saw that, you know, over time, the daily slog uh, of meeting people, trying to asking questions, following up with leads. I was able to, to get my prototype made. I was able then to connect with a factory to make my bra cups. I was able to hire my bra designer and work with a factory in Manhattan and making my garments. And that's how, that's how Cobalt Rose came into being. Marina, I hear a, a lot there, um, you know, sort of a, an openness to learning and engaging in opportunities um, you know, like taking additional classes in a field and a specialty that you didn't have in your background, I, a lot of persistence. And I understand that also creating this prototype was, was truly grassroots, that this, this entrepreneurial venture was a grassroots venture where you and your husband were very literally creating these, these bras from home. Is that right? Yeah, it was... Uh... Basically, you know, my husband would give me his feedback, but then he's busy dealing with cancer patients all day. And I had more time on my hands. So it was really trying to figure out where I could make prototypes and, and do that locally. And I did start out with a friend, I was introduced just because I was always talking about my idea, talking to people, hey, say, do you know someone involved in this or in that? And I was introduced to a woman who's a costume designer. And while she's not a bra designer, I felt, okay, well, that's pretty close uh, to get me started. And so she was able to, to and she had a whole sewing uh, studio in her home. So she was able to start making my initial garment. Uh, at least I could take that to a bra designer and say, okay, how can we improve this? So it was really starting very local. 
um, and 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 you know being introduced to someone who could maybe take my idea a little bit further. But again, going to FIT where you have you know world class training and it's all about fashion and apparel and and all, everything that goes with the with the the apparel and fashion industry. I learned a lot, and 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 then of course having. Uh, still having a viable garment industry in Manhattan where I can go. And, and these factories are making clothing for labels we all know. They may not be able to do, you know, hundreds of thousands of units like they do in other countries, but they're making clothing here of labels that we know. And so there's expertise there that I really leaned on. Certainly uh, learning a lot, and especially as we pointed out in an industry that you hadn't been familiar with until this venture. So I'm sure there's been a lot that has surprised you as an entrepreneur in your latest venture, Cobalt Rose Company. Is there something specifically surprising to you as an entrepreneur um, or even as a woman entrepreneur? My first go around as an entrepreneur in a very, what, what I perceived as a very male dominated field, biofuels. Back in, you know, 1999, 2000, 2001, this was not a hot and sexy industry. No one was thinking too much about renewable energy, not like we are now. So I didn't see a lot of women in that space. There were, I just didn't really encounter them. I was always usually the only female around. And, and that was, that was a little tough because uh, I, you know, just the dynamics of that um, and my mindset at the time of kind of feeling alone. Um, and I think what surprises me now in my uh, current uh, venture is uh, is the number of women who are entrepreneurs or who have ideas and who want to get out there and do something and these these entrepreneurial networks of women supporting each other. That seems to me quite new and revolutionary and and wonderful. Because as an entrepreneur, you need a lot of support because it is not all fun every day. And, you know, you, you, yes, you control your schedule in a way, but you're working more than nine to five if you want to get your venture off the ground. And you have to deal with a lot of obstacles and rejections and, and leads that take you nowhere. And having a support system of other entrepreneurs or people who help entrepreneurs is really uh, a very su wonderfully surprising, uh, I guess, advancement in, in entrepreneurship uh, this day. And, and there are so many resources available uh, online, in, in uh, libraries, through SCORE and the SBA. It's uh, through so many online uh, educational courses with universities, so much available to help you and help you form a network of support as you're going through your entrepreneurial journey. Rena, that's an interesting point, sort of having that network of support, specifically as an entrepreneur, because you can often feel like you're out on an island alone. Um, and in just a little bit, we're going to get to hearing about your time on the Women's Business Development Council in Connecticut, because that, you know, is another body that helps support women in business and entrepreneurs. But before we get there, you did mention your time working with biofuels. You know, prior to this venture, you did spend time in the biotech industry. Um, and, and now you're in this space that's so female centric, your product directly uh, markets to women and a, a problem 
that women are facing and, and having a solution for that. Um, but looking back to your prior experience in biotech, you did mention that um, there, there were women in the space, other women entrepreneurs, but they weren't often times the ones in front, the ones that you were encountering and, and pitching to VCs. You know, sometimes you were the only woman in the room making those pitches. Um, tell me about that experience. Intimidating. <laughs> so intimidating for me. I guess the first few that I made, I didn't really know what I was heading into because I had no experience. And uh, I thought, okay, I've made presentations, say, in graduate school. Uh, so how different could this be? Except that, you know, you're trying to convince people to invest in your, your company or your idea. And they tend to ask really pointed, tough questions. And you don't have all the answers, especially if you're really early stage and you don't have a lot of growth behind you. It's hard to answer some of those questions because you don't know yet. And so once I started going through those presentations, and then I, I realized just how much I would be grilled on certain things, I started to feel a little bit intimidated. And again, being this, this younger female uh, out there standing in front of a group of men, um, and I'm, you know, trying to make my case, it was a little intimidating. And I really had to go back and think, all right, how do I make it less intimidating for myself? And, and the thinking is, I got to know as much as I possibly can. And, and from every uh, pitch that I've made, where do I feel that I failed? And how could I answer that question better going forward? But it's so important. And, and I had to work on this not to dwell or ruminate on my mistakes in my previous pitch, but look at that and think, okay, when that happens again, this is how I'm going to handle it. That was a constant effort on my part, but it made a difference. And looking back, um, you know, that it's, it's not easy um, as the only woman in the room or just in general, you know, making pitches to, to VCs for funding. And even now um, creating a product, launching it to market, what kept you and keeps you waking up each morning and, and keeping at it? These aren't, these aren't simple things. And again, speaking of that road, the road isn't always straight and narrow. There's twists and turns. What, what keeps you going? Well, I think that whatever road you take, whether it's entrepreneurial or you're going to go into the corporate sector or a nonprofit, wherever, there are always going to be challenges and, and politics uh, and um, issues that you have to deal with. So you don't escape it if you go into the corporate world. You don't escape it if you go into the entrepreneurial, in entrepreneurial direction. It's, it's there. So I think what keeps me going is, and what I've learned over time is I believe in my product and I want to, and, and to me, it is a source of satisfaction to get something out there that I believe will work for women. I believe in that. And so that's a big part of it is the belief that, that you have a solution. Um, and I think I, I have accepted that nothing good is easy. And if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. So when it's really hard, and there are days that it's tough, you know, like nothing's going my way. Uh, I just, I, I wake up and I think, okay, I got to put one foot in front of the other, persevere, 
every day. And I, I liken it to just laying that foundation every day, even if nothing big is going on, or I'm, I'm kind of in a holding pattern, I just want to keep laying the foundation and learning what I can and thinking about what else I can do so that when luck, because luck plays a huge role in, in so many things that we do, I want to be prepared when, when luck shines its light on me, I want to be prepared. And the only way I can really be prepared for what, however it's going to break is if I'm constantly working on laying a good, solid foundation and shoring up that, which I don't feel so strong about. Um, and, and, and that's how I wake up and, and keep going every day because one, I am excited about what I'm doing. So that's a big part of it. Uh, but two is I accept that it's not going to be easy. Third, I think of it as a challenge. I try to think about, okay, if I can't do it this way, how could I do it that way? And I think that that can also keep you mentally young, that exercise. So I would say those are the three things that, that go through my mind on usually every day, but particularly on those days when when it can be tough. Those three things, you know, building a foundation, um, accepting that it's not always going to be simple or easy and knowing that you're going to encounter challenges. Um, looking even further back in your career, you started your career on Wall Street in investment banking, another space where you were one of only a few women. Um, and I'm thinking as you're talking about building a strong foundation, I, I wonder if that foundation, you know, that first experience um, out into the the career space um, laid a foundation for sort of this, this persistence, um, this ability to sort of overcome that, those moments of intimidation. Looking back at that, um, tell me about that experience and, and are there tools and resources that you either have now or you see that you wish you had then, but maybe just didn't quite exist yet? I think when I, I was so young, when I went into investment banking, I was fresh out of graduate school. I didn't do my homework on what, where I really wanted to go and what I wanted to do. I felt fortunate that a large investment banking uh, house contacted me, had me interview. I went through the several interviews and they offered me a great position and a great salary and lots of great benefits. And I thought I saw friends of mine, you know, they they had their rejection letters, wallpapering, you know, our apartments. And um, and I thought, OK, I've got this job offer. I've got to run with it. Not really understanding what I was getting myself into. And and when I when I the first day I entered my my I went to my workplace and, and walked in and I thought, oh, my gosh, what, what have I done <laughs> I don't really understand what I've gotten myself into. Now, that's not, you know, most people, they, they know they want to go into investment banking and that's, and they're excited. I didn't quite understand what I was getting myself into. So I was fortunate on the one hand that I, I, I even got the opportunity, but uh, I saw what was demanded of people and, and what you could argue still is today. Um, and one of my stepsons is is in a big uh, investment banking house, and I I see the hours he puts in. When I went there, and I I I looked around, and I thought this is not what I want to be doing, twenty years from now. Um, and I had to, I you know when I was thinking about do I stay or do I go? It's a great job, tremendous opportunity, 
but is this really what I want to spend my life doing? I had to question that and I had to turn inwards and, and really take my own counsel because when I was thinking and talking about leaving, almost everyone I talked to at that point said, you can't, this is a great place, great job. Are you crazy? No one's ever going to pay you this, uh, like, like, you know, in this field. And, and that's scary stuff to hear. But I also felt like, wow, I've got my whole life ahead of me and, and this is not what I want. And I had to, I mean, I had to kind of go against conventional wisdom um, and leave that. Now, what I wish I had had back then that might have really helped me is, and I, I imagine it exists much more now. I left because of my perception of what the inv investment banking field was like. And I know I didn't see a lot of women. There were women there, but I didn't see a lot of women in my area. And I think it would have been wonderful to, to have an opportunity to talk to other female investment bankers at higher levels and, and get an idea of what, what are the different routes you can take within investment banking and um, and be able to, to just bounce uh, ideas and thoughts back and forth. That would have been really helpful to me. And, and I think it's why now I'm always seeking other women uh, if there, if I find out there's a woman entrepreneur at a party, I make a beeline and introduce myself and chat because there's so much to learn from other people and their experiences. And I'm always happy to share my experiences and, and help other people because I, I believe in that. And I believe that only good can come from that. Um, so that's what I wish I had then. I now really seek it out now. Karina, you made my job way too easy here because I wanted to get to your time as a board member on the Connecticut Women's Business Development Council. Speaking of mentorship, sort of seeing other women in places you hope to go in entrepreneurial ventures, um, you know, in other careers where maybe it's hard to seek out other people that that look like you or have the same mission as you, you did serve in a, an advisory role, um, working with women in that capacity in the Women's Business Development Council. Tell me about your observations working with and advising women in that role. I saw a lot of courage. I saw a lot of enthusiasm. I saw a lot of perseverance. And uh, it was Really, uh, I mean, again, I was just surrounded by women who want to be entrepreneurs or are already doing that, but need assistance on marketing or their business plan or, or getting a bank loan. And uh, it was extremely inspiring uh, and made me realize just how many women are out there trying to do their own thing. We had a lot of diversity when I was there. I, I was surprised that I, I was in Stanford. So we have a, a big Latina uh, community there and a larger African-American community. And so there was diversity um, in, in the women who were seeking to start their own businesses or already had their own businesses. And some of these were one women, you know, operations and maybe a marketing business, or it was someone opening up a cheese shop or women doing all types of other exciting things, trying to raise capital. I saw a diversity in interests, a diversity in backgrounds. Uh, the other thing that struck me was how many women had, for family reasons, left the corporate world, raised their children, still have incredible skills and experience but we're having a hard time or did not want to go back into the corporate world. 
and yet they they're antsy to do something and and be engaged and so I saw a lot of older women and going back in and saying well I've got these these skill sets and I'm going to find a way to use them and still be able to structure my work week the way I need to so that was also uh interesting I saw a, there's a tremendous amount of talent all around that's not being used especially with uh, women who've taken time out to raise their families and then want to go back and are somewhat disadvantaged going back you know, into a corporate setting because they took time out. Um, and yet they have incredible skills. I think that at the at these type of organizations that are helping women entrepreneurs, they are great settings for women to explore what they can do. But also as an entrepreneur, if you want to hire other people, you have tremendous access to people who could partner with you uh, or who maybe want to hire out their services to you as part of their business venture, but could also help you. And that's what I learned from my time uh, uh, on, on the council and also the number of resources there really are to help women, either from the government, federal government, state government, local nonprofits, uh, local angel investors, they they get, tend to gather around these type of councils or groups uh, that work with female or women entrepreneurs. You mentioned, which really sparked my curiosity, that the talent that's not being used out there, you know, women and certainly other um, people, but women specifically on sort of non-traditional career paths. Like you said, perhaps they they left and are returning to careers, um, looking to get back into the corporate world or pursuing entrepreneurial ventures because they're not sure how, um, you know, career after caregiving will fit into their lives. You yourself may be soon at a point where you're going to be building out your team at your own company. And when you said, you know, there's all this talent out there, um, what, are the things that you would be looking for in potential hires? And do you see certain benefits of having a diverse team rich with a variety of backgrounds and experiences? And, you know, maybe people with that sort of untraditional career path. Absolutely. Uh, I relate to these women <laughs> because I am one of those. And, um, you know, someone who who has not been in a steady corporate job, although at this day and age, I don't know who is anymore, but uh, I relate to these women uh, on that level, uh, taking time out. Uh, I am most definitely open to working with uh, and hiring women who maybe they can't give me a 40-hour work week, but maybe I don't need that. And they could be quite efficient on a 20-hour work week with what I need at this stage. And and I also see the opportunities for uh, two very talented women to share a job. And so one does 20 hours and the other one does 20 hours. And I could see that in areas of finance, marketing, accounting, administrative things, things that I'm not really skilled at. I just have to do that right now. But, you know, when I can start to to delegate these type of things, I can see working with some talented women who could come in and say, okay, well, I'm really good at this. And I did this for a long time and in XYZ Corporation and I know how to do it. Great come on in, you know, work with me. There are opportunities, of course, with people working remotely now that also open up the the the, the opportunities for, for me to engage with other women 
without them having to, you know, work in my office uh, and yet still be equally as effective, if not more so. So I see a lot of opportunity there for me. I've always remembered from that time when I began work, you know, volunteering my time at the council, how much talent was around us that was not being tapped. And I always thought when I can hire more people, I'm going to immediately look around me at this, at this group of women, because I believe that I could find someone who would be interested in what I'm doing, would want to participate. Um, and, and, uh, and that I would be able to bring in and, and have them help me. Now, given your breadth of experience, what are your thoughts or advice you would share with fellow women entrepreneurs or women in business, or really any other underrepresented people as they navigate their career paths? I think if you can find a mentor, I've always believed in the value of someone who, is where maybe you want to go um, or has had a type of career path that fascinates you and be able to, to develop a relationship of someone who could, could provide feedback and some guidance. Um, I also believe in educating yourself. And now there are so many opportunities to educate yourself online. You know, there are online courses through you know, recognized universities um, there are Udemy and, uh, edX and, you know, all of these online educational platforms that offer fantastic classes that, you know, you, you could learn, you know, at night before you go to sleep. So I think I would look into those resources. I would try to find a mentor and you can find them, um, and maybe not in your, in a company nearby, but you could look for some of these women business development counselors or centers or organizations, there are some in every, there's one in every state and, and contact them and see what they offer and see what other women who, who you could meet and maybe be able to form some type of a, a a relationship where you could feel comfortable expressing your concerns, your doubts, your insecurities, your hopes, your everything, someone who could help you, you know, kind of navigate all of that. The other thing I would say is thinking of your your mindset. And you know, we all have our perceptions of how things are or how you know, maybe we how we feel we're being looked at and we have to remember that it's a perception. And so think think about altering your views sometimes or being uh, playing devil's advocate with your viewpoints and thinking about how you can get yourself to look at a situation as realistically as possible and, and to kind of like scoot away uh, misperceptions, give yourself the benefit of doubt that you can go out there and you can do something and you may fail, but you can get back up and get back out there. I, I think about this basketball coach and I, I, I can't remember his name, but he was the long running basketball coach for Duke University. I did my undergraduate at uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And so Carolina and Duke are kind of like rivals, right? In basketball. But I remember the uh, the coach recently retired and he always talked about next play. Think about your next play. You know, look at what what you've done, where the mistakes were, and then focus on the next play. What are you going to do now? That's what I would say to people is, okay, 
What's going to be your next play? Marina, I'm going to leave it there um, as we all think about our next play. What great advice. Um, and before we sign off today, Karina, where can people find out more about your company and all that you're doing? They can go to cobalt-rose.com. Uh, they can go to our Instagram, um, our YouTube. Uh, we have a series on YouTube now with my husband explaining his concept behind uh, the Cobalt Rose Bras and his invention. Um, and people can direct message me on Instagram per Cobalt Rose Bras or they can uh, contact me through our website and I'm always happy to, to chat. Rena, thank you so much for joining the Hurdle Rate Podcast. You are welcome, Emily. Thank you for inviting me. Again, I'm Emily Advani. Tune in next time as we try to answer what is the minimum return we expect from the investment in ourselves and one another.